Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. And it uh, comes from a, a passage where Paul just says, look, be careful how you build. Make sure you build with silver and gold and and precious stones, and, and uh, don't build with, with wood and hay and straw, because one day everything will be tested, and you don't want it burnt up. And uh, so we've been just looking together at what might be some of those things that are silver and gold in terms of church life and what we build together. And we started off by looking at prayer, talking about all the context of prayer within the church. And, uh, and then we, we looked at um, giving, and and then John took us through really helpfully serving and uh, that, that horrible feeling that you get when somebody says, okay, the, the preach today is about serving and your heart sinks and you look at your diary and think, well, when am I going to do Okay, I'm, clearly I'm going to be convicted today, but I just haven't got any space to do any more, but I'm going to have to find a bit. Cause, and uh, it just was so helpful when he talked about the whole of Scripture is actually not talking about us, it's talking about him as the servant king who comes to serve us. I found that so helpful. And uh, then last week, um, um, Emma spoke really clearly and helpfully again on community. I had a couple of conversations afterwards where clearly her word had 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 impact. Do you know what? I'm not just saying this because sometimes I stand up here, but I was reminded of a passage in Timothy where where Paul says to Timothy... Those who teach and preach are deserving of double honour. Now, I'm not here saying, so give me that. (laughs) But I am just reminding us as a church uh, of that fact and that actually there's something about you you give birth to a word. It takes work. You won't won't have any idea of, I know, the hours, for example, that John will have put into his talk a few weeks ago. And... uh, so, so those who preach and teach deserve, deserve double honour. Yeah? Let's always remember it. Let's always be grateful to God for it. So um, we are going to look today at the last thing that we've just sort of identified of perhaps one of these precious stones that we build with. Um, and that is a church that is rich in good deeds. A church that is rich in good deeds. And once again, I said to John this morning, I found it very helpful, his talk, because uh, for a lot of us, we could go into a, a message like this where we think, oh, no, so give, serve, pray, good deeds. No, I really haven't got any time left in the diary, you know. It's all gone. But uh, I'm hoping that, that it won't come across in that way. However, let's look at what the Bible says about good deeds. It says... It's, it mentions good deeds, good works, ever such a lot. And let's look at, therefore, what it might mean for us uh, as a church. So I'm hanging it, first of all, on this passage from, from Galatians 6, short couple of verses, where Paul writes and says this to the Galatians. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 
Now, doesn't that make you feel grateful that you're part of the church? Yeah? Paul gives you permission here to especially do good to your brothers and sisters in the church family. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we are just so grateful for uh, everything that you're doing among us. We're grateful for what you're doing in our individual lives. Uh, We're deeply grateful for what you're doing in us as a community of believers. We're excited about uh, a weekend away and, Lord, perhaps yet another uh, generous deposit that you might uh, bring to us of your Holy Spirit uh, to equip us to do all that you would have us do and to be all that you'd have us be. And uh, so we're really excited about these things that are coming up. And uh, we pray, uh, Father, that you will soften our hearts right now to hear your word, but not just for this word, but also there will be, over these next months, a softening of our hearts towards this weekend away. And uh, just when John was praying, I just had a, had a picture of a, of a fire that has, has been laid and prepared in the, in the hearth. And there's the bits of newspaper that you, if you've ever lit a fire, you put little bits of newspaper there. You put some very dry twigs and kindling there. And then you build up a little bit of coal around it. And then you light the newspaper and it goes because the kindling is dry and the paper is there and the fuel is ready to go. And it, you just you touch it with a match and it's off. And... Uh, and Father, we pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, so that uh, when we get to that weekend, it will be like that, Lord. It will be like, like the, the blue touch paper, and, and you would do something wonderful and amazing. Uh, but, Father, we don't want to wait till then. We, we know that also you have much to, to give us and to, to teach us Lord, between then and now. So be with us, we pray, and uh, let your spirit hover among us as we hear and listen to your word. Amen. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So I just want to really pull apart that verse 10 a little bit uh, and three, look at three aspects of it. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So, first of all, let's look at as we have opportunity. As we have opportunity. Uh, Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know what? That gives me um, such encouragement and it relieves some of my fears when I think good works. Okay, I've got to add good works now to the list. Because we're not under law anymore, we're under grace. And, and when it says there that God has prepared beforehand the good works that we should walk in them, it just means that I don't have to go out and find them. You know? I don't have to search the website for the latest Christian charity that I should send my money to No. God's already prepared for you works to walk in. It says in that verse, doesn't it? It says, as we have opportunity. 
God will provide you with opportunities for good works to walk in. You don't have to be anxious about finding them. Neither do you have to be anxious about what, whether you will have what it takes to do them. Because they're ones he's prepared for you in advance. We heard so much this morning about him, how well he knows us, didn't we? All those wonderful worship songs. I thought Matt and Alicia led us so well this morning. Just those worship songs about, oh, he's my security, he's my strong tower, he's my safe place. He knows me. He knows you. Therefore, the good works that he's prepared in advance for you are suited just for you. So that you can walk in them with joy. And a sense that he's given me everything I need for life and godliness. The good works that he's prepared for you are tailor-made for you. The opportunities will arise. If you walk in the works that he's prepared for you, they will arise. The wonderful thing is that this verse is preceded by another one that's so helpful. It's the one we all know. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this, not of yourself, it was the gift of God. Not by works, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship. You know, the good works are not to earn my, my, my salvation or his approval. That was done on the cross. I'm saved by grace. And then he says, yeah, I've saved you. And this is what I've saved you for, the good works that I've prepared for you in advance. As we have opportunity. I was um, reading again in the week the story right at the end of John's Gospel where uh, Jesus has risen and it's the last time in John's Gospel where it's recorded that he appears to the disciples and uh, we were sharing this passage at our devotional on Friday in the office, on Friday, Friday lunchtime. And it's the story of when the disciples, you can tell they're a bit not sure whether to go back to their old life. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they say, oh, we'll go with you. And they go fishing and they spend all night. And what do they catch? They catch nothing. And then... Jesus appears on the beach and he calls out to them. And isn't this lovely? He calls out children. Children. He hasn't yet reinstated Peter for running away. A few days before, these disciples had left him. And he calls out to them, children. Children, have you any fish? And they say, no, we haven't got any fish. And he says, put your nets on the other side. And they do that, of course, and then they haul up the fish and Peter jumps out of the boat and runs to the Lord when they realise it's the Lord and they land the boat and when they get to the beach Jesus has prepared breakfast it says there was fish and bread cooking on the beach I mean, he, isn't he wonderful <laughs> he does that and then what he says to Peter is this he says um, so he's prepared the breakfast and then he says to Peter go and get some of the fish that you've caught he has already prepared the breakfast, so there's no need for fish because it's there. <coughs> he told them where to put the net so that they could miraculously catch it. But then he says, right, you go and get some of those fish you've caught. Come and contribute them. Come bring them. Come contribute them. Do you know what? The good works that the Lord's prepared in advance for you to walk in, he's already equipped you to do. He's given you it all already. 
So why does it, we, we, we heard, didn't we, when, um, when John spoke about uh, serving, that verse where, where, where Paul talks to the church or to the, to the guys in um, Athens and says, you know, God doesn't need anything from you. He made it all, he doesn't need anything. Jesus didn't need the fish. Why did he ask for it then? Because there's something about, you know what, come do this with me. Come do this with me. It's a wonderful verse where Paul says, I'm, I'm God's co-worker. He describes himself as a co-worker with God. What, with him who flung the stars into space? Who was around when the dinosaurs were around, when we weren't? What, what I can be a co-worker with? He says, yeah, come be a co-worker. Bring some of the fish that you've caught. What it's a, oh, it's a joy. Yeah, it's a joy, isn't it, to be about his business. Good works that he has already prepared in advance that you should walk in them. I wonder what they are. I wonder what they are. We are his co-workers. Okay, let's look at the next part of, the, of that verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to all people. So Jesus says this in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a lamp, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but stand it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's that word, that phrase, good works, again. Do you know what he says to the disciples there? And these are the disciples he's talking to. This is on the Sermon on the Mount. This is the part of the Bible that comes just after the Beatitudes, the blessed ours. And so he's got his disciples around him. He's talking to his own people here. This isn't him necessarily talking to the crowd. This is him talking to his disciples. He says, He says to them... Well, what he doesn't say to them is, you could be the light of the world. He doesn't say that to them. He doesn't say, you might be the light of the world. Play your cards right, work hard, and you could be the light of the world. No, he doesn't say that. He says, you are the light of the world. You are. Why? Because he is the light of the world. Another part of John's Gospel, he says, I am the light of the world. And the Bible says that we have the Spirit of Christ in us. In fact, Paul says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to him. So if you don't have it, well, you better come talk to me afterwards. We better have a chat. You are the light of the world. Already. So that also should take some of the pressure off, shouldn't it? We are already the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. But now here's another thing about this. I've got into this a little bit in the last uh, few times I've preached, just, just looking sometimes at the root words. And I'm, particularly I look at this word you to see whether it's the singular or the plural. Because when we say you, I could be saying you and just talking to Pete, which would be the singular you, wouldn't it? Or I could say you... And be talking to all of us, which would obviously be the plural you. Uh, our word in English is just the same. But in Greek, it isn't. There are two different words. 
And there's one word for the singular you, which is a word called su, S-U. And then there's a word humais, which is the plural you. And in this passage here, all of the yous and yours are the plural you. Now, when we read this passage quite often, we think, you are the light of the world. We think, oh, I am the light of the world. Okay, I've got to be the light of the world. Okay. Add that to the list, put that in the diary. Friday, light of the world. <laughs> but that's not what this passage really is saying. I think Jesus is saying here, because it's plural, it's the church. You are the light of the world. You, corporate. Could you put up the next slide? Yes. So, you will know that, uh, I've probably told you before, that in, in my family we love Christmas. It is a, a massive thing. So this is my parents' house. They have a big Victorian house. Um, it's, don't think it's too grand and expensive. It's on the South Circular. Um, but uh, they, they ended up with a big, big house where my grandmother died. She lived downstairs. We lived upstairs. And then when she died, they took over the whole house. And uh, so it's got high ceilings. And so we've, for the last few years, have splashed out and bought an eight-foot Christmas tree. So every year we have an eight-foot Christmas tree. We, we buy it from King's Church. We run it as a charity, so we know that we're paying some money towards the charity. But it is an eight-footer. And I think on that tree there are 600 lights. There's three sets of 200, I think, we have on there. And... Uh, and so, yeah, these are, these are precious days. I'm making sure that I'm savouring these days. None of us know how many more of these type of days there will be. And uh, so I savour these days. And so this was us putting up the decorations on the tree um, this year. And uh, if you scroll forward again. So, and there you go. That's the finished article at night. It looks, pre- looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but, the, but the lights don't just stop there. As I say, we make quite a big thing of Christmas in our family. And uh, these aren't the only lights in the house. Uh, so there's a few more. Um, so my dad, every year, he sets up this little village. Okay? And uh, he puts... He, I tell you what, he has a hardboard thing where he's drilled holes just in the right places so he can poke the lights un- underneath these houses that he then sits on there. And, uh, and, you know, so this looks lovely in the dining room. So we've got the tree in the, in, the, in the lounge, and then this is in the dining room. It doesn't stop there, though. And then there's the, there's the dining room fireplace, which has candles on it, and it has some lights at the back, like a string of lights at the back. Yeah, and then, and then this is the fireplace in the lounge. You can see those are all lights on the top of the fireplace there. If you look to the left, there's another little candle thing there. And the blue glow that you can just see on the right is another scene that he has created with these blue and white lights, and it's a Victorian one. Um, Pauline covers this. Every year she does, she covets it. So the house is, is just full of lights everywhere. And uh, we'll go off piece a bit because I'll show you another picture. Here you go, I thought as we were on Christmas. I would just show you, here's, so here's Boxing Day with uh, Owen and Pauline. And you can just make out there that Owen is, in typical fashion, just holding out his plate to have it laden, <laughs> laden with food. Look, he doesn't even bother to do it himself. He just holds the plate out. And other people just laden food on. 
So that was Boxing Day. We had 17 of us round the table for Boxing Day. And, uh, yeah, there's the girls. You can see uh, Rihanna and Yasmin and Rihanna and Daisy there at the back and uh, my niece and my good friends, Brett and Joe, and their two little boys, who I've got them next weekend, which will be fantastic. And uh, so, anyway, that's nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But go to the last one for me, um, if you would. Thank you. So the thing about this is that it has the effect because there is the corporate sense, there is the plurality of the lights together. The good works that Jesus talks about here when he says, let your light shine so that they may see your good works, is not just about, in fact, perhaps not even primarily about the good works that you go and do at work tomorrow. They're about the good works that we do together. I found it quite helpful realising that. And I've felt quite convicted by it, if I'm honest. You see, brothers and sisters, we must be very careful about the yeast of individuality which can spread through the dough of our lives really easily. Well, you know what? Food bank is not really my thing. Stay and play. Don't have any kids. Cap. Not sure it's for me. But there's this other thing that's a real passion of mine and I think, you know, I'm going to give a bit of time to that and I'll I'll put my money there. Now, don't hear me wrong. But actually, there is something about us getting behind the good works of the church because that's the light. Because that's the good works that other people see and then glorify your Father who's in heaven. So, let me encourage you. Loads of you already involved in the things that we are behind as a church. The good works. Cap helping people out of debt and praying for them and bringing the gospel to them. It's a good work. Food bank. It's a good work. Tell you what, the other day I was thinking, well, I've done it for a couple of years. It's quite a commitment, isn't it? It's one, one Saturday morning in three. And, oh, I don't know, but perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps I've done my bit. Oh, yeah. and, then I, and then I had a wonderful conversation with a guy that Saturday. I thought, oh, it's a good work. It's a good work that the church is about. It's being the light of the world. Stay and play. Well, I've got a few toddlers running about here. I don't know what that's all about. But there are mums who are coming to that who don't know Jesus. And Emma has opportunity sometimes to pray with them. It's the good works of the church. Let us not get individualistic and think yeah well that's okay for them and for the church but you know I've got this passion it doesn't really suit I haven't really got that Saturdays are no good for me now don't hear what I'm not saying of course I don't want to go down the road that John warned us against which is busy people trying to fit something else in because they now feel convicted but actually get behind the good works of the church first before you do you know the other things maybe, or if there is another thing, come talk to us first, because maybe, we, maybe we'll be able to support you and help you in that, or maybe we'll say, well, hold that. That might be something God brings back to us at the moment. We've only got capacity for this, but, but the work, good works of the church, because that's the light of the world. It's a corporate light that comes about from those good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, last bit. Especially 
Paul says, let us do good to all people and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Jesus says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, this is just after when he's talked about separate a day that when he comes back and he will separate the sheep from the goats. Then the king, he's talking about himself, will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. That's us folks. Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, this is us, then the righteous will answer him saying, Oh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. This passage is sometimes used to talk about doing good to the poor out there, and the church is called to do that, and other passages exemplify that, even that one in Galatians that says, do good to everyone, and especially within the family of the believers. But this passage is talking about what we do for one another. Jesus is talking about the good works within the family of believers in its broadest sense. Especially, brothers and sisters, look for opportunities to do good to those who are of the household of faith. Do you know, sometimes I've heard, not from, not from within us, which I'm deeply grateful of, but I have heard Christians, and I've had conversations with Christians who say that the trouble with the church is it, it just can be too introspective. It looks in on itself. It's like a social club that's just trying to make life better for all the people inside of it. It needs to be out there. Yes, it does. But actually, it needs to be in here. Otherwise, what are we bringing people to? everybody's so out there and they're all burnt out and falling to bits in here well then we're not bringing them to very much are we to write home about it's really important especially to the family of believers do you know what we will all at some point have some need now we could read these words of Jesus and we could we could also read them metaphorically when he talks about, you know, you gave me something to drink, and that might be sort of spiritually. And, and there are good things that we do with one another where we, we spiritually care for one another. We emotionally meet one another's needs. But he is talking about this practically in the main. He's talking about it practically. And so within our church family, as it grows, more and more we may find people who come within the family of believers who have need. And uh, we don't know, do we, what happened with Barry. He sort of came within our family of believers for a bit. We don't know whether he joined that family of believers, but he certainly became part of it. And uh, there were a number of people in this church who you know well who, who did this. Who did this. Aren't we proud of them? I am deeply proud of them. You did this for someone who was brought within the family of believers. There'll be more. There will be. 
and we will have an opportunity to do good to those who come within the family of believers. But you know what? As I read this passage, I thought I was challenged because we look at our current group and we think, well, there might be some unknown needs and it's always good to just be aware. But pretty much we're, we're probably fairly okay, practically wise, financially. We've sort of got enough probably just to keep us going. We're not, we're not desperately in need. And it made me think of the passage where Paul commends the church in Greece, in Corinth and Macedonia, for giving to the church in Jerusalem who were suffering. Who were suffering. And sometimes it may well be that God puts on our heart or opens up an opportunity for us to do good to other believers who are elsewhere. Let's be open to that as a church. Let's be open to that, especially to those who are of the family of believers. Do you know, I love the fact that we've opened another community group. I really do. And one of the verses that we sometimes quote is that one which says, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Do you know what just precedes that verse? Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know what? When we're in our community groups, let us find ways to stir and encourage one another towards love and good deeds. Let's, as a church, be rich in good deeds for he who was rich became poor for us so that out of his poverty we might become rich let's pray Lord Jesus it is our joy to give back to you what you have already given to us whether that is in our time or our efforts or our finance or our care and affection for one another freely we have received and freely we want to give Lord I pray that we will be a community of believers who build with gold and silver and precious stones as we build your temple, that we will be a community of believers that pray together, that give generously, that serve the one who came as the servant king, who give ourselves to build strong friendships and brother and sisterly relationships with one another to build community, to build a church that is worth joining and a church that is rich in good deeds so that we truly might be the light of the world and those who see this light might give glory to our Father in heaven these things we ask in your precious name, Lord Jesus, and for the glory of our beloved Father. Amen. God bless you.
You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.